welcome to Faith of Our Fathers. This week we feature Percy Crawford and his weekly television broadcast, Youth on the March. Percy's first experience in radio to reach lost souls came in 1925 when he was a student at Biola, the Bible Institute of Los Angeles. Biola had an extremely powerful radio station, KTBL, perhaps the first all-religious radio station in the world. Percy got up to the microphone and preached to a large audience. He understood the power of radio to get his message across to those who needed Jesus in their lives. Today's three sermons, with a little help from his family, are taken right from the early 1950 Youth on the March broadcasts. Thank you. Say, may I have your attention there for just a moment? Uh, sometimes, you know, people have a habit of hearing preachers, and some preachers are a little long-winded. I must admit that. Some of us are. I heard of one lady a while back. She said, we have a good preacher at our church, but that preacher goes down the deepest and stays down the longest and comes up the driest of any man I ever heard. Well, that's discouraging. Now, I hope you won't think of that of me just for a few minutes while I talk to you from one little text in the Bible. Listen to it now. Listen. Hebrews, second chapter, third verse. How shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation? That's all. How shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation? What's he talking about? How shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation? A preacher announced that text once, and after he announced it, he leaned over his pulpit and through the tears in his eyes, he said, Men and women, I know of no way of escape outside of Jesus Christ. That's right. How shall we escape? How shall we escape? I came to a bridge the other day driving along, and it said, Bridge out. Danger. We stopped. I'm going to go across with no bridge. We had to heed the sign. And God has left us this little sign, and he said, How shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation? And I said, Escape from what? What should we escape from? And I noticed in the Bible, Escape from the penalty of sin, for God has said, The soul that sins, it shall die. God has said, The wicked shall be turned into hell. And he's left this little sign up, and he said, how shall we escape if we neglect? How do you expect to escape? How shall we escape? God has a law. If, uh, if you'd climb up on the top of your home there tonight or up on the top of this building here in Baltimore, get up there and, and uh, take a, come to the edge of the building and step off out into space, you'd say, oh, I trust God. Everything's going to be okay. God won't hurt me. You step up, you'd break your neck. Why? God's law. You go, go to your stove or your gas stove or your coal stove and get that red hot and you go in and put your finger up against the stove, you burn it. Oh, but God loves me. Oh, God won't let anything out. Go ahead, try it. Burn your finger. What takes place? God's law, law of gravity, the law of burning your finger that God has made fire, you burn. That's right, God's law. Now, God has made a lot, another law that the soul that sins it shall die. I've sinned, you've sinned. And we're going to die. You're going to die. I'm going to die. Because of the awful, dreadful fact that into your life and my life has come the stain of sin. And, and he says, how do you expect to escape? We can't escape. There's no escape. Oh, some people say they're going to escape. Some people have their idea. Cain and Abel had their idea how they were going to escape. Some people said back up there, well, let's build in Babel. Let's build a, a, a tower up to heaven. We'll get to heaven without God. Oh, no, no, no. I talked with a man a while back and I said, how do you expect to get to heaven? Oh, he said, that's easy. He said, I'll admit, as you say, I'm a sinner. But he said, when I sin on this hand, I go over and do some good on the other hand. I keep the scale balanced up. Well, that's uh, very cute, isn't it? 
But that won't work with God. God says, for by grace are you saved through faith and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. Gift. You take it. You receive it. That's no way of escape. But God's way of escape is so simple and so pure and so plain that the Lord Jesus, knowing that I could not escape in doing the best I could for if I were to do good from today on, there'd still be the old blotch of sin upon my life and upon yours. Couldn't get away from it. Can't escape it. It's there. If you would start right from tonight and say, I'm going to not commit one more sin, and supposing you could, you couldn't, but supposing you could, your old past life would be there before you. There back up with a stain upon it, a stain that you'll never get away from. That's why he said, how in the world do you expect to escape? You can't escape. But the Lord Jesus made his way up the hill Calvary, and there on the cross he died for me and bore the curse of my sin upon his body on the tree. God raised him up, resurrected Savior. So that tonight I can stand up here and say to you, I don't care who you are there by that television set. Listen to me. He says, him that cometh unto me, I will in no wise cast out, and thereby you're set right tonight. You can bow your head and say, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I'll admit I can't escape anyway, as you heard tonight from this fella. He tried to escape from the bondage of sin and couldn't do it till the Lord Jesus came in and broke the fetters of sin that bound him. That's what you need. You've been searching, you've been trying, you've been doing the best you can, and that's not good enough. Lady wrote me a while back. She said, Mr. Crawford, will you please tell me whether I'm a Christian? She said, I do the best I can. Should I try hard? Should I'm kind of dumb animals? And she said, even out of respect for your program, while your program's on, I don't take any drinks of whiskey while your program's on. Uh, she said, will you tell me whether I'm a Christian? Well, I told her. I haven't heard from her since, but I told her. Yeah. How can you escape? You can't escape. But bless God, there's a Savior who can make a way of escape. But it's an awful thing to neglect. This week I was called upon to go and visit a fellow who was dying. And I hurried as soon as when I got the message and got someone to drive me to the hospital and got there ten minutes too late. He just passed away. I went in and saw him in the death room with one other dead man there and another one dying. And it, does, it does me good to look at death. And God says... That thing's coming for you someday, and someday you're going to go in that room, and you're going to die, and you're going to be put in the box. Whether you like it or not, I don't care how much money I have, you're going to go there. How are you going to escape? How are you going to escape from the awful judgment in hell? You won't, my friend. You may be like the ostrich, put your head down in the sand and say, Oh, I just won't listen to that. I just will have my idea. Go ahead. You'll be yanked before the judgment and sent into the caverns of hell because you rejected God's way of escape. What a tragedy to put it out. A man, there was a great fire. I read of it the other day. Years ago, back up years ago, when they didn't have the modern fire apparatus we have today. And it was out west, and it was in a huge building, and this fellow way of escape was cut off, and he was up on the fourth floor, and he said, the fire's on the third floor, he yelled out, and I'm on the fourth. He climbed to the fifth, he said, the fire's on the fourth floor, I'm on the fifth. And then he climbed to the sixth and said, the fire's now on the fifth floor. And on, on, up till it reached the top and all avenues of escape were shut off and he burned to death. Avenue of escape gone. Missed his chance, his opportunity. Will you miss that tonight? God has brought you there by your television set that you might hear the wonderful story of how he died to provide a way of escape with you. Will you put it out? Will you refuse him? 
Oh, I hope you won't. We now continue with the second sermon. May I have your attention there for a few moments, please? I just want to come right into your living room there by your television set and just talk to you just, just for a few minutes. Will you spare them uh, to me now just for these remaining seconds that I have to talk to you? I want to open up to you the Bible and read to you from a portion of this book. You know, uh, I was reading the other day that the philosophies of different men, they're, 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 it's amazing how different people think. Uh, written uh, over the gate of uh, Apollo Temple at Delahaye were these words, Know thyself. Enjoy thyself, Epicurus expressed himself in that in injunction. Restrain thyself, the Stoics advised. Extinguish thyself, said Buddha and all of his philosophy. And then I was reading over here where the Apostle Paul said, that I might know him, that I might know him. And you know, biographies are wonderful. I like to read them, how, how it shows the struggle a fellow goes through, a woman goes through to reach the real objective of life. What's it all about? Uh, the, John the Baptist said that he must increase, but I must decrease. Paul said that I might know him and the power of his resurrection. And I turned this week in the book of Acts and I read there where it speaks about Paul. It speaks in the first verse in Saul in the ninth chapter of Acts, and Saul, yet breathing out threatenings and slaughter against the disciples of the Lord, went unto the high priest and desired of him letters to Damascus, to the synagogues, that if he found any of this way, whether they were men or women, he might bring them bound unto Jerusalem. Now the interesting thing about this man, Paul, was that he hated the Son of God. He was raised in his religion, and he was a devout man, and he was a strict man. He was before the law, a perfect man, as he thought. And so his antagonism was terrific. He was in bitter hatred against the things of God in this respect that he refused to recognize Jesus Christ as God's son. And he devoted his life to attacking these principles. And here I noticed he was persecuting Christ. He was not only just passing it by. There were steps here. First, he was a strict Pharisee, a zealous man of the law. And then he was just a party to those who persecuted Jesus because he, he was there when Stephen was killed, you remember, and martyred. And then we notice him out personally, out to get them. He was determined to kill every Christian he could find. And he was doing it. When on the road, uh, he heard a voice. And the voice said, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? And he said, Who art thou, Lord? And uh, we find him persecuting Jesus, out to get him, determined to crush out this new faith, and he was persecuting the Son of God. And you know, that's often the way. Sometimes, I don't know how it is, but God likes to get a hold of somebody that's tough and rough and bittered and transform them and change them around and amaze the world what he can do. That's what he often does. He takes one who is bitter and powerful and... Uh, just cripples them and puts them humbly before him so that they come out and take the, the meek way, the humble way of standing by the Son of God and taking the ridicule and the shame and the reproach of the cross. Now, I wonder tonight, how about you? Where do you stand? How do you stand so far as you're persecuting the Son of God? Jesus said, he that is not with me is against me. Are you just halfway in between, just nominally ascending to these things or... or have you taken your stand before the blood-stained banner of the cross and said to the world, you can laugh and sneer if you want, but you can't laugh me into hell? It costs something to be a child of God. Have you been persecuting him? Have you been taking his name in vain and dragging it down in the gutter when he isn't here to poke you one in the jaw? Have you been drifting along with the godless foul-mouthed bunch that laugh and sneer and think they're tough when they're yellow? Where do you stand? Are you persecuting the Son of God? Paul was. He was... a. But I noticed here he was penitent before Christ. 
Suddenly this light shone round the bottom and he fell prostrate before the ground. He says, it's hard for thee to kick against the goads, and it is hard to kick against God. It's hard to kick against and go the way of sin. It's hard to go through life without Jesus Christ. There's a place in your life for the, for the Son of God. But I've got good news. That the Lord Jesus can come into your life even though you've taken his name in vain, even, even though you've dragged it down in the gutter, even though you've denied him, even though you once professed him, even though you sunk to the lowest level, my friend. Listen to me. I've got good news for you. That where sin abounded and loomed up, grace does much more abound. I was interested in reading the other day of a man in prison. And he, he was reading these words of the old hymn, you know. I walked by the woodland meadows where off the thrushes sing and found on the bed of mosses a bird with a broken wing. I healed its wounds, and each morning I sang its, it sang its old sweet strain, but the bird with a broken pinion never soared as high again. And then he added this little verse, <clears throat> this prisoner, but the soul that comes to Jesus through failure, shame, and pain, by his wondrous love and mercy, may soar as high again. And that's right. I care not how low down or how high up you are, my friend. Tonight I've got the sweetest piece of news this side of heaven. That even though you didn't love him, even though you failed him, even though you've made a mess out of life, listen, this Savior loves to take relics, loves to take outcasts, loves to take men and women like you and me that have no hope and, and save them. And do a miracle in your heart and transform you and give you a new love for the Lord Jesus Christ that you can't get anywhere in all the world. And bring peace and happiness into your heart as you've heard Colleen Townsend say tonight that transformed her heart when Jesus came in. That's what we're talking about. And it's free, yours for the taking, except that you've got to come out and pay the price and stand for Jesus Christ, regardless of what the godless foul-mouthed bunch think. And as soon as that happened, I noticed he was propagating Christ. He was prostrate before him. He was uh, down at the very bottom. And he was persecuting Jesus Christ. Then he was penitent before him, and then he started to propagate Christ. You know, when Christ comes in, you can't keep it silent. You've got to let the world know about it. Uh, there, there's no such a thing as a secret believer. When the Lord Jesus comes into your life, my friend, you, you just burst out. You just want the world to know. That's right. The grace of God thrills you. And he straightway, it says, over here in the 20th verse, it says he straightway preached Christ without letting everybody know about it. How are you spending your life? When you die, what will they say of you? You left a million? Oh, he lived a good life. And that's good that you lived a good life. Oh, he was respected in the community. No, no. Have you been counting your life for God and making it count and using it for him and letting others know about this one that can give them hope beyond the grave and save them from hell? You know, when I was out in California, I, got, I used to deliver newspapers to a man that I didn't know lived near Pasadena. And they sent for me. He was dying. And I went over as a young kid just out of my teens. And he remembered me. And I talked to him and read him from my testament. And he said, get the book, get the book. And she said, I know what he wants, his wife. And they brought his big Bible and I read to him and had the joy of pointing him to Jesus Christ. About two hours after that, he died. And in the morning when I called up about it, she said, Oh, yes, my, my husband left a message and it was for his son. I knew his son. He didn't love the Lord. He was wild. He was in the penitentiary. He, he hadn't made a mess out of life. And uh, she said he left the message. I said, What was it? It was for his son, she said. And he said, Tell Fred, tell my boy not to waste his life like I did. What a tragedy. Are you wasting yours or are you making it count for God? May we bow our heads in a word of prayer. And now our four sons, Don, Dick, Dan, and Dean, are going to sing I'm Trampin' and their mommy's going to play for them, all right? I'm a trampin' 
Thank you, boys. They're the kind of hymns we love on this program. Say, may I have your attention there just for a few moments while I talk to you from the precious book, the Bible. You have a Bible there in your home. If you haven't, you should have. Now I want to talk to you from this wonderful book. One passage of scripture found over in Hebrews, the sixth chapter, the fourth verse. God tells us, for it is impossible for those who were once enlightened and have tasted of the heavenly gift and were made partakers of the Holy Ghost and have tasted of the good word of God and the powers of the world to come. If they shall fall away, it's impossible to renew them again unto repentance, seeing they crucify to themselves the Son of God afresh and put him to an open shame. A terrific passage of scripture. Uh, you won't dial away there now, will you? Just stay right with me, will you? I want to talk to you individually right there in your home about this passage of Scripture. I got a letter a while back from a man out in San Francisco, and he said, I, I uh, hear you preach uh, on Sundays, and he said, what you say is all right for women and kids, but it's no good for real he-men. Well, I want to answer you tonight, my friend. I did by letter, but I want to tell you, the trouble with you is you haven't got enough backbone and red blood in you to come out and carry your Bible down the street one block. I told you that in, your, in my letter. It takes a man with a little gumption and backbone and red blood today not to be ashamed of the blood-stained banner of the cross. And there's many a man and woman being laughed into hell today because they have the gumption and the red blood to stand for the thing that's worthwhile. We found out, uh, that out as young people. It's hard to be a Christian today. I mean a real one. And that's what God's talking about here. He says the cause is that those who were once enlightened and those who have tasted of the heavenly gift and made partakers of the Holy Ghost and tasted of the good word of God and the powers of the world to come, if they shall fall away, it's impossible for you to become a child of God. Now look at it, the cause, those who have a sense of religion. Over in John it tells us that Jesus Christ is the light which lighteth every man that cometh into the world. South America today is in darkness because they went there for gold. America, the United States, we have it today, they came here with the Bible. They weren't ashamed of it, your forefathers and mine. They have a sense of religion. This nation today respects the Bible, thank God. But what's in it? They don't know what's in it. And he says, those who have a sense of religion, once enlightened, those who knew about the Savior, tasted of the good word of God, the bread of life. You know the story of salvation tonight. You know it as well as I do. You have a sense of it. You know about the Savior. The Spirit of God made partakers of the Holy Ghost. The scriptures, your mother read it to you. If you look back and think in your life, you'll remember that you gathered around your mother's knee and she read to you the precious word of God, but, oh, now, you've gotten so big, you know, you've gotten away from it, so busy in things and making money and business, you've forgotten the Bible, collecting dust there now. God says the scriptures, you've tasted of the good word of God, the sacraments. You say, well, I'm all right, I take sacraments. Well, you can take sacraments and go to hell. You can be baptized and go to hell. You can do all of these things and know the story of salvation. God says it. I didn't say it. Don't get mad with me. Those who have a sense of religion, those who know about the Savior, those who know about the Spirit of God and His power to transform lives, as you heard here tonight, those who know the Scriptures and those who have taken the sacraments and their lips are crimson with the sacramental wine, God says, knowing that, if you fall away, it's impossible to renew you again. That's the calamity. The cause is that they knew, the calamity is that the curse of God is upon them. You say, well, I believe I'll become a Christian when I get a little older and start to get feeble and I'll call the preacher and cry and go to heaven. That doesn't get you to heaven. No, sir. Not if you wait till the tail end and hope that you'll get in by calling a preacher. Now I can have a thousand by your bedside when you're dying and be lost. He says it's impossible to renew you to repentance. No, sir. When I was just out of my teens in California, I was preaching. And a mission, 
the city mission, I believe it was, or the union mission in Los Angeles. And I came at the close when I finished preaching and shook hands with the superintendent and said, thank you for allowing me to preach in your mission tonight. I appreciate it. I saw a man kneeling there at the altar. I said, pardon me a minute while I go talk with him. No, no, no. He said, don't bother with him. Oh, I said, maybe I can help him. No, no, no. He said, don't bother. He said, he's a regular. He's a regular. You know what he's talking about? He'd been listening to the story of salvation like you are tonight. He heard it once. He said, I know I'm going to do it someday. And he put it off. God put him off. He's crying now. Shaky, shoulders shaky. God said, I can't renew you again under repentance. You can't play around this thing, think you're tough and smart and swear and take his name and drag it. You think you're a he-man. You're a sissy. You're yellow. It takes somebody with a little punch to come out and say, I don't care about these little tubifores. I'm going to be a soldier of the cross. Don't let God leave you. Once God leaves you, you're doomed sealed. There's nothing ahead of you but hell. I'm your friend when I tell you this. The cause is this. The curse, watch it. He says, seeing they crucify to themselves afresh the Son of God first. Second, put him to an open shame. Two things. The indictment twofold. You, you crucify afresh. <laughs> One man there took a huge nail as they laid Jesus on the cross and he took a hammer and he drove that nail through his hand, the blood spurted out. He said, I wouldn't want to be that man. You are. You crucify afresh the Son of God when you hear about it and reject it. One man was there. I watched our boys in Atlantic City during the last war practice being at uh, practice, you know. Uh, they took their guns. The sergeants watched them, and they ran into the dummy, and they ran their beanets in and give it a twist, you know. They taught them that little extra trick. I can see this soldier saying, watch this, boys. Come on, watch this. Took his spear and he ran into the Jesus with his spear and stuck it in his side and gave it a twist. He said, I wouldn't want to be that man in the day of judgment. You are. You crucify afresh the Son of God. It's on your hands. There's another man there. Sure. Watch me, boys. So he climbed up and got around and as the crown of thorns was on his brow, he reached up and gave it a crack. And the thorns ran down in his brow and the blood spurted out and ran down into his eyes and his face. You say, I wouldn't want to be that man. You are. When you heard me tonight tell you that Jesus died for you and you reject him, you kill him again. You're a party. I was going from Norfolk in for a meeting. I crossed on the ferry. There was a sailor with me. We talked and chatted. We became buddies. He said to me, as I talked to him about Jesus, I've been through a lot, I've been through death, I've been, I've been through a, a narrow escapes, and he said, I'm not afraid of any man, I'm not afraid of any woman, I'm not afraid of, of anything, but he said, I am afraid of hell. I said, you should be. You should be scared to death to go to sleep tonight, lest God take your life and you drop into the judgment in hell. Don't do that, but right now, there by your television set receiving. Will you? I hope you will. May we bow our heads in a word of prayer. just before I close off I've talked to you right from my heart tried to win you for heaven you remember years ago you knelt by your mother's bedside and said mother I'll meet you in heaven and you're, you're far from God tonight right there in your room right by your set now bow your head and invite the Savior in he'll come in if you let him will you do it and write me to box one Philadelphia I'd love to hear but we'll send you gospel of John if you ask it and help you our father bless these 
May there be a great many throughout the nation let the Savior in tonight and answer their mother's prayers and know the joy of having their sins forgiven as they mean business for thee. We pray in Jesus' blessed name. Amen. You've been listening to Percy Crawford and Youth on the March. Listen to Faith of Our Fathers each Saturday and Sunday to hear more great 20th century preachers.